Hi, everyone, and welcome to 7 Mile Chats, a podcast where each week I, Julia Struckley, talk with someone about a scripture verse of their choosing, and we look at that scripture from different angles. I'm a scripture teacher at a Catholic school. I've been a youth minister. I have a master's in theology. But the purpose of this podcast is just to have a conversation about scripture and try to apply it to today's world. And today I'm walking and talking with someone I've not yet met in person, but is a match from Podmatch. He's a fellow Catholic podcaster and runs the podcast Father and Joe. He is also a small business creator. It's Joe Rocky. Welcome, Joe. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. And we were chatting a little bit before I hit record, and we found out we're from the same region of the U.S. initially. So I'm from Cleveland originally, and you are from Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. Do you want to share a little bit more about yourself and where you're from, a little bit about your background? Yeah, sure. So so like you said there, I, I'm from Pittsburgh. I've, I've been in a Catholic school system since pretty much day one. Um, went to Catholic high school, Catholic college. The Catholic college here in Pittsburgh is Duquesne. Um, okay. Got my four-year degree there. And uh, used it eventually to create those businesses, as you mentioned. But part of uh, why, why I want to discuss today is, as you mentioned, I am another podcaster. And we do the, the show Father and Joe. And I originally created that in 2017. Um, when did you start yours? Um, 2020, like everybody, I feel like started a podcast in the pandemic. Yeah, so, so you started yours <laughs> during COVID when everything got yeah. shut down. I also was told I was unessential and did not deal with that well. Um, but the, the origins of Father and Joe go back a, a little bit before that, I suppose, with um, it, the transition in our country went from Obama to Trump was not smooth, to say the mm -hmm. least. Mm -hmm. um, and there was all kinds of turmoil. And it was it was not as bad as it is now because it got progressively worse. But it was the beginning <laughs> of bad things happening. You, you either were a CNN person or you were a Fox person. And dialogue between the two sides was not really happening. And as a, as a student of history, which is what I really like to, to focus on, there's never been a time in any culture anywhere on this planet where when the inner culture starts fighting itself, that it's good for the country. Mm -hmm. um, it's never been that way. Um, mm -hmm. Normally, really bad things happen. Um, we're talking, they eventually do have a civil war, they go to war with someone else, or they do a genocide. So that's normally what happens when this type of division hits its boiling point and, and its fruition if it's left unchecked. So at that time in 2017, that was the beginning of the realization that, hey, some people might be manipulating our contact our conversations through twitter and the other internet sources um it, it it still surprises me that on the one hand that you would report that they're this is a conscious effort to try to create division but then only talk about stories that create further division mm -hmm. that may or may not even be true um, mm -hmm. that was the irony of the entire thing that started it off so long story short i i, I sat down with, with with father boniface hicks who not only is is great in front of a microphone, he runs We Are One Body Radio here in Pittsburgh, which gets simulcast in various other cities throughout the country. But he's also one of the leading priests in developing the program for teaching seminarians to become priests. He's mm -hmm. actually number two in the English language in the whole church with that. Um, being a Benedictine monk, he has different responsibilities than your local parish priest. So... He's incredibly knowledgeable about anything I've ever asked. 
Um, he's told me I'm, I'm wrong a couple of times. I mean, we recorded for five years. Obviously, I'm going to have a mistake a lot. Um, but uh, but we, we cover all kinds of things that ultimately boil down to what really the scriptures boil down to is applying virtue within your life. And in doing so, you're going to open yourself up to be better in relationships. And I don't know if you've already covered the scripture verse, but it says very explicitly that God is love. It's one Mm -hmm. of the most simple verses of the Bible. And if you really extrapolate that love is flows from relationships. So for us to be more open to love and therefore to God, we have to be open to relationships. And that's really what we address a father and Joe in each episode while looking at a, at a, sometimes a scripture perspective, sometimes a global issue that's happening. Um, so we, we've have conversations about that. Um, and ultimately at the end of the day, what is, is remarkably fulfilling with this, that, that kind of, I wish more people understood was that living a life and focusing on the faith side of your life makes every other element of your life better. It just makes your relationships better. It makes it easier to have conversations with people and it's just, easier. It -hmm. makes you a better employee, a better husband, better father, whatever you want to call it. It makes things better. So with that being said, that's kind of the overview of of, Mm -hmm. of how we got father and Joe and and how to hear. And, you know, obviously Mm -hmm. you can see that at least it feels like there's a connection between what each of us are trying to accomplish here. Yeah. No, I mean, I started this, like I said, in the pandemic and I'm a teacher, so we just didn't really know what teaching was going to look like in the fall of 2020. So I started in the summer of 2020 just to kind of get, and also like, I, I don't know, I usually travel a lot in my summers and, you know, I interact a lot with people and I was, that wasn't happening in 2020. So this was a good way for me to still like kind of teach and educate, but to, you know, do it safely and remotely. But, um, I, I mean, I, I, I agree like in 2017, it was, something definitely happened and shifted. And as a a Catholic who's seen, I've traveled a lot, like I said, and I I went to the Catholic University of America in DC. It's kind of how I made my way down here from Ohio. Um, And I just, going to Catholic U, I felt like I saw a broad spectrum of the church. Like I saw people on like both sides of our political aisles. And so I just have never identified like Catholicism being one thing, you know, but I Mm -hmm. think our country is always trying to label you know, to label regardless, not just within the church, but just like, we're always trying to look for labels, I feel like as humans. And so, um, yeah, definitely. Well, we've been like... prone to do that the last five years more so than any other right. period, which is a yeah. problem. But, but I, I agree with you. You know, there are some religions that are just one party or the other. And Catholicism certainly is, isn't that it, it calls us to be more objectioning to everything, including our mm-hmm. own faith. Yeah, it's always been countercultural. Um, you, you know, if you're being objective, not every person will come to the same conclusion. And I, mm-hmm. I think that's one of the great parts of the Catholic faith, that that you can justify being in either party for various different reasons, because mm-hmm. both of them are flawed at the end yeah. of the day. They're, they're, neither one of them are correct. Right. So like we need to rely on God. Right. <laughs> like not, yeah. not a, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I think scripture, I've been talking a lot in these two years with scripture. I'm a scripture teacher, but also, and so part of the reason I want to do this is to like make scripture more tangible for people and kind of break it open. Cause we as Catholics get a bad rap that we don't understand, you know, or know our scriptures. But I feel like the more I look and explore, it does give me hope because I think like you mentioned in throughout history, um, you know, these these are not new challenges or new things, maybe like new mediums are, you know, 
happening. But like, uh, there's always been war, there's always been division. And so when I look at these scriptures in the Old Testament, and like Paul's letters, you're referencing like, John's letter with God is love, like, I, I, it gives me hope that like, you know, it's sad that we're repeating the same cycles over and over again. But like, you know, these guys have gone through this too. So I feel like God is always giving us messages of hope, um, even in our yeah, tough I times. Mean, yeah. It, 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 and really, it, it's how could it go any other way? There's always going to be um, when you have a power structure created. Now, whether that be political power, economic power, um, just social power, um, there's always going to be people who want it for the sake of power. There's going to mm-hmm. be people who want it for an alternative motive to make more money, to have a better life for themselves or whatever. And then there's going to be people who just want to take it from you. So, so the, the, just in the nature that we create society, there's an inherent challenge of this. And, and there's going to be times when people deal with those problems better, which normally is tolerance and conversation. Mm-hmm. And, and then there's times when we're going to promote envy to try to just tear mm-hmm. anyone down that has anything. Mm-hmm. And that's clearly the cycle that we're in now where we're just, we don't even talk to the other side, turn them into a character. Um, right. So you don't have to listen to them because you right. know, if, at the end of the day, if we think that these people are equal to in the Bible's uh, terminology, this was pagans. You know, you, you mm-hmm. if a Jew called someone a pagan, you didn't have to talk to him or listen to him or even consider what they had to say. Um, it's the same thing. It's the same concept that we were dealing with, with the Bible, but it's in our modern everyday life and therefore being able to, to recognize that this isn't new. Um, and also puts a lot of humility in you realizing you're not special. This is just what we do as people. Um, just let's try to make it as good as we can for anyone and really look at to where there has been solutions for 2000 years. The church has survived all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not too many institutions that have been around that long because eventually they succumb to some problems. Not saying the church is infallible. I'm not even trying to apply that, but saying that it has gone through these ups and downs throughout world history and been able to come out and still living. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get into the scripture that you've chosen. It's a short one. Um, so I'm going to have you read it and then I'm going to kind of give a little bit of context and then we'll talk about we'll talk about it. Sure. So this is Psalm one one seven or one seventeen for how normal people would say it. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord! All the nations praise Him, all ye people, for His merciful kindness is great towards us, and the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord. Okay. So um, we've talked about quite a few Psalms on uh, this podcast. And so I've talked before about how the Psalms are attributed to David. They may or may not have actually been written by him, but they're attributed to him. And David was uh, a king who actually was able to unite Israel. So when we're talking about like division and nations and things like that, I think that's an important thing to remember when we're talking about the context of this Psalm. Um, Whoever wrote it, like wanted to acknowledge David and, and David was this like unifier. And so this Psalm in particular, it's very short, the shortest of all the hymns. So like some Psalms are meant to be sung and are hymns and other Psalms are more 
poetic or have a different kind of purpose. Um, but this one is a hymn. It's meant to be sung. And it's really meant to to call our attention to God being the the one God of 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 the nation, the the unified Israel. The God like because people at this time also were struggling with worshiping false gods. Um, but after David, the country is going to be divided. We're going to see great division, um, and a lot of it has to do with worshiping false gods. And so I think this psalm is important um, because it's trying to proclaim how we have one God, and that God is the unifier of Israel and, and the protector of Israel. So that's a little bit of context. But um, my question for you is, why did you choose this psalm or this passage? Well, I, I chose it because one of the things that, as I, as I mentioned in our podcast that we try to discuss a lot, is living the virtuous life. And in my mind, when we look at the virtues, and particularly when I'm talking about the virtues here, I'm focusing on the four the four being prudence, justice, yeah, fortitude, cardinal. temperance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are all merciful gifts that have been given to us that we've learned how to apply to us. So when we are, for example, exercising the virtue of prudence, which is becoming more knowledgeable in general, but also specifically about God, that is a mercy that is given to us. And it also opens us up to grace. And as we look at ourselves, where people get themselves into trouble is when they shut themselves down from wanting to be able to be open to grace, whether that be in the format of trying to learn something new, which is what prudence calls us to do. Um, The point being is that being open to vulnerability, being open to the thought that I don't know everything that I'm going to need some help is incredibly important. And, and to me, that is, is, is the mercy of God and, and he will give it to us forever. And I know that there's a lot of different Bible verses that, that express mm-hmm. this in a lot of different ways. Um, so, so I, I don't want to, to, to try to say that this is the only one by any stretch, but that was really kind of the reasons that, that I wanted to talk to. And also to point out the fact that it is universal. You know, as, as we as we've had looked at various religions throughout the world, um, including those that have broken away from Catholicism, they don't have the same universality that Catholicism has at the end of the day. Um, so I think that that's another key part that I wanted to point out. And, and this is not to, to call people to arms or anything like that, but to recognize that in the power of the sacraments, particularly communion and confession, that the grace is abundance to all of us and it is open to all of us. You don't need to have an R or a D next to your name. You don't need to be um, from this country or that country. You just need to be willing and open to grace. And we can do that in every single conversation of our lives just by being willing to recognize that we are not the end all be all. I mean, that's part of what temperance is, is knowing that there's other people who are going through stuff that we're not the the most important in the world. And I, I really try to focus upon that element that the grace of God is open to all of us. We just have to literally not have the door locked. Mm -hmm. Um, We're, we have to knock on the door um, as the, uh, as a couple masses ago, that was the gospel reading, but God will come to us and he, he will never be like a spurned friend or, 
or, or, or spurned anything. He, he will always be willing to come back and to give us a second, third, 5,000, mm -hmm. 10 millionth chance um, to come back and to receive grace. And to me, the easiest fact to prove that is that we're here because there is no way from God's perspective that we are not annoying. Um, and <laughs> he could easily get rid of us at any point. Um, but to me, that is the, the greatest single-handed example that grace is abundant and willing to be given to all. Yeah, thank you for sharing all of that, like that you pulled mercy from this uh, from this verse, because uh, when I I'm, I never know where my guests are going to take the verse, which is why I love having these conversations, because I feel like they always take it in a different direction than I would, which is I feel like these conversations help me, you know, kind of break down these scriptures, too, because I focused on kind of like the call to the nations part. Right. Or mm -hmm. that God is like the Lord of all nations. And I love how you focused on like the, the mercy part. My translation was a little bit different than yours. My translation says um, for verse two, the Lord's love for us is strong, which I think is where yours said, like is merciful mercy, yeah. or yeah. And that the Lord is faithful forever. And it is a very like kind of a, it's just a summary. Like the Psalm is just like the God is the God of everybody and he love his love is strong and he's faithful. Like it's a very simple Psalm. Um, so I don't know what, I guess I love that you picked mercy. I don't really know if I have a question. I just, <laughs> I don't know if you want to respond to any of that, but. Well, in some ways it's, it's the written out social contract that we have with God. It's God's side of the fence to us. He's open to everyone. Um, again, his love is, is open to everyone, which mercy is certainly a part of that love. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't think it's that different of a translation mm -hmm. and most people don't look at it like that. Most people, mm -hmm. when they want to have the conversation about God, they get this instinct coming upon them to shut it down and not want to talk about it. And mm -hmm. to a degree, I understand that. No one wants to talk about the scary parts that we're all trying to bury so deep inside of us. Who wants to bring that out? And there's this implicit element that when we're discussing religion or God, that it goes right to our bad spots, which it really doesn't have to. And, and that's mm -hmm. part of what this, at least in my thought process of what this individual passage is, is that God isn't here to poke your bruises and to go to your bad spots just for the sake of pain. He will go there with you for growth and to become better in the future. But if that's not something you're ready to do right now, you don't. I mean, everyone think about the last first date they were on. Did you bring up every worst case scenario about you? <laughs> and the answer is no. So I, I, I think that that's an important element that is a requirement for those of us that want to have conversations about a faith mm -hmm. in an open way to recognize that the conversations that go straight to you're a bad person and you need to reform or you'll die tomorrow Mm -hmm. It is not the way of going about it because these types of passages, and again, there's many of them, directly counter that. You know, the, mm -hmm. the, the, the openness of love and the openness of relationship is available for all of us. And mm -hmm. no one need take themselves out of society, out of the mental state where you can be helped or saved because we all can be. And that's ultimately what God wants us to be. Um, if you go to the parable, Jesus says, well, more people rejoice in heaven for one convert than a mm -hmm. hundred pure saint, pure souls. 
He wants us to come back to him. He knows we're all going to fail inevitably. And as just a side of thought, as most of us turn on our adult brains and think about whatever fault we're really trying to hide inside of ourselves, it's probably not that big of a deal um, in comparison to what our child brain thought it was and to what it is as being an adult on the other side this many years later. And I mm-hmm. think that that's something that you can recognize. And then you think about the fact that God is timeless. So if it's diminished that much importance, just in the time span from the fault we're trying to hide to our thought process now, how much less significant is it to God who wants us to be Mm -hmm. ultimately back on track and unified with him? Yeah, I know that's really beautifully said, and it's a beautiful sentiment. And I, my bachelor's degree is in media studies. And so I also, in addition to teaching scripture at a Catholic school, I also teach um, media literacy and journalism and current events. So we definitely look at the news and you're mentioning, you know, the news earlier in our, our divisions. And part of the reason I teach those classes and I want to like have these, these conversations that, that you and I are having that we're talking about. So if we're talking about mercy and like the goal of our relationship with God and, and God ultimately being love, like you referenced earlier. Like, how can we have these conversations in a more merciful, compassionate way as as Christians, would you say? Well, I'm not totally sure that I have the answer to that exactly. <laughs> Father tells me I'm wrong a lot. <laughs> um, but what are your I, what's your approach to having that? Because so, I think, yeah. Yeah, I kind of look at it as recognizing that, that we live in America. I mean, at least that's what my, most of my argument or my audience is rather. And for better or worse, we kind of live in a society that starts with a question, what am I going to get out of this? So mm. what if, if I'm going to sit down and listen to your podcast, if I'm going to actually try to implement what you're saying, what am I going to get out of it? Which mm-hmm. I also think is a fair question when it comes time to discussing why to, to be a part of the faith. You know, If you're ultimately considering to be a priest, you're giving up a lot to do that. What, what, what is the upside of this? And to me, the upside is, is where I get back to the, the, the four cardinal virtues. You know, say you had a boss and he only promoted people based upon one indiscriminate factor that had nothing to do with the job. So say he only promoted people that had blonde hair and you didn't. So how long are you going to want to stay and working at that company or at least underneath that boss? And the answer is probably not that long. As soon as I get a real opportunity to leave, I will. And I bring that up because that's a direct violation of justice within the workplace. And it's something that you can point out and go, well, I don't want to be like that. I want to be able to be open to more things and be able to have better people working for me and being promoted as a business owner. That's, that's what you want. So That's just one very quick example of how applying the virtue of justice to your life makes you a better manager, makes you better at hiring people, but it's also kind of discussed in society. Okay. We need, we need to hire people based upon their skills. All right. We got that one, Joe. All right. Well, I'm going to give you one now that most people will never implement because it's very hard, but it's probably the most beneficial thing you can do in your life. And that's over the next 14 days only eat 12 times. And that will be incredibly difficult for most Americans. Most people will never make it through the third day. But over the next 12 days or next 14 days, only eat 12 times. And 
the reason it's beneficial is because when you come out on the other side of it, you'll know so much more about yourself, things that you thought were real problems that aren't. It'll make you better at relating to other people's problems and ultimately make it easier for you to have good conversations and relationships with other people. And that's really the end goal of all this is having better relationships with other people. Because that is, in my opinion, of when we say to our father, you know, bring kingdom, your kingdom down to earth, um, is to have relationships in union and purity. And to do that, you have to live a virtuous life. It's really the, the four pillars of if your neighbor was thoughtful, just said things that needed to be said, and also had himself in the correct position in the world, he'd be the best neighbor of all time. So you got to start by making yourself that way and realize that most people to a certain degree are mirrors of you. So if you start exhibiting these tendencies, people will exhibit them back to you. Your mm -hmm. children start to become a little bit better. They're less freaking out. There's more calm. There's more stability. And it all starts with your actions today. And like I said, the number one way that you can start doing that is something that I know most people won't do. Next 14 days, only eat 12 times. And on top of all that good relationship stuff, having more agency and self-discipline over yourself is incredibly important. And you'll probably lose a little bit of weight along the way, which <laughs> most Americans need anyway. Well, it is, it's kind of a, that's not where I thought you were going to go when I asked the question about like, how do we have like more merciful, you know, approaches, but I, I do see how like temperance and self-control is something that our society, I feel personally kind of needs practice with, I think with social mm -hmm. media, you know, we all get to be the creators and we want to use our voices. We want to give people a voice and that's the beauty. But then part of it is then like not having enough control. Like for me, it's all about like putting ourselves in other people's shoes, you know, and I feel like that's what the gospels ask us to do. And that's just what being a good human is. And so maybe when we're practicing our, our temperance and maybe fasting or something that you're recommending, we can also think of that justice component and like maybe thinking about other people and putting our, ourselves in people's shoes and maybe people who don't have food to eat on a regular basis. Maybe we can like, you know, kind of combine those things. I feel like um, could be a good a good practice. Um, yeah, absolutely. Because when you're in a state of fasting, there's going to be pain. And what gets people through that inevitably is prayer. And, and that's and the prayer will tell you for your specific mission of where you're at right now, what direction you need to take it. And that's part of being in the quiet element of prayer, um, which is not one of the cardinal virtues per se. Mm -hmm. um, but the reason I focus on the cardinal virtues is because they're universal to all people. And most people can relate them into their own lives, regardless of where they're at in their faith life. You, know, you can, it's not as easy, but you can live the cardinal virtues without going to mass and without going to confession. Um, I'd make an argument, you cannot live faith without doing that. Um, but the cardinal virtues, you can. So no matter where you're at in your life, you can pick up today and say, I'm going to try to be more courageous in doing something that will be good for the relationships around me. I'm going to call someone that I wish I had a better relationship than I did right now. You know, I used to have a better relationship with 
blank person. And I'm just going to call them up today to try to have a better relationship with them. There's no guilt for not going to church in that relationship. But when we talk about the non-cardinal virtues of faith, hope, and love, there can be. So that's why I focus upon the four, because to me, they're easier to act upon right now. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter your starting point as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think I think you're right. And you know, the four cardinal virtues focus on like kind of our human relationships. Um, and then the theological ones focus directly on our connection um, with God. So I can see how maybe the the ones that are within the, ourselves is like then ultimately can help us, um, you know, because it's a little more tangible, a little more um, like we're able to do that within our society a little more. Um, it's just, yeah, the psalm is really interesting to me. It, you know, I thought we were going to go one way with this conversation and, and then we kind of went another way. Um, what would be kind of like your final takeaways as we wrap up about this verse? Yeah, so it's, it's trying to combine it. I guess the one takeaway, and I guess it's kind of come across on me ever saying it, is one of the things Father's taught me throughout the five years of doing these shows together is there's the Bible is a continuous book. And while it is a library, there is not one theme that is by itself and isolated, that it's all continual. So as we look at at the relationship with God and how universal he is and to be open to love everywhere, love or mercy, depending upon your translation, is something that we all are called to do and something that we all should strive to do no matter where we're at, in whether it be physically, mentally, or any capacity. Amen. Yeah, I totally agree. I it all all comes down. I think this, like I said it before, the psalm is a very good summary. It's that um, God is the God of all of us, but uh, especially if we as Christians that claim that, then we need to. You're talking earlier about like a mirror and how we can reflect one another. Like as Christians, we ultimately should be reflecting God, which is love. What we were saying earlier too, and so I just think a lot of our conversations these days aren't reflecting God as love. And if we're we're claiming that we're Christian, then we should be we should be reflecting God's love. And I know sometimes people think, well, I mean, I'm an educator, right? So I think that sometimes it's like, oh, if I point out the flaws, then I'm educating, and that's like the good and all that. But ultimately, I think it it comes to love. And if we're not being motivated by that, then what are we doing? <laughs> you know, and, and ultimately, in contrast to where most of our society is going, love is a direction of action. It's not a direction mm. of feelings. Mm-hmm. So, if you want to be the reflection in other people's faces, where they see coming back at you being God, you need to have actions that mm-hmm. will draw you to be better to love. And really, mm-hmm. the answer to that is just be better at relationships and these virtues are how you do it. Mm-hmm. No, amen. I go, I always go back to Thomas Aquinas's definition of love, which is the effective willing of the good of the other. And so it's action. Like you were saying, it's like, Oh, I can't just like wish that person. Well, it's like, I have to effectively make that, that good happen and like do that good for that person if I love them. So it is in definitely an action. So, yeah, this verse took us in lots of different places. I didn't think we'd go. Um, at the end of the podcast, I give people a chance to plug. And I know that we plugged a little bit at the beginning, but um, where can we find you? Like, where can we check out and find some of your projects? Well, certainly to me, the answer is Father and Joe. That That's the one that I would like to highlight everyone at. We're a fellow podcast. So we do 20 minute bite sized episodes that come out once a week on Tuesdays. And like I said, it's very straightforward. The word father and Joe, you can get us on all the major platforms. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Joe, for taking the time to do this. If you all would like to find out more about me in this podcast, you can find me on Instagram at 7 Mile Chats, and you can reach out to me there if you'd like to be a guest. Um, you can share about what you think about the episode. I'm also on Twitter at MissDruckley1, M-S-S-T-R-U-K-E-L-Y-1, where I tweet a little bit about what's going on in my classroom and Catholic education. Um, so you can find me there as well. But Joe, thank you for taking the time and having this conversation with me today. Well, thank you for having me. Yes. Bye, everyone.